Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product Led Podcast. Today, we're going to have a really fun episode where we go through how Boomi went from sales led to product led. Ian has done an amazing job leading this initiative, and he's shared some of the really cool achievements that they've been able to accomplish, such as doubling their free-to-paid conversion rate. And right now, actually 10% of all their customers come from their product-led motion. So you're not just learning here from someone who's just like, okay, I put together a couple blog posts. No, this is someone who has done this. He has built an incredible team to really support him in doing this as well. So you're going to learn there's a lot about team here. So Ian, welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Thanks, Wes. Really excited to be here. I'm a longtime listener and have been engaged with your organization and have a lot to be thankful for having you doing what you do. It's been a little fanboy moment for me to actually be here. I really appreciate the time. Well, it's not about me today. It's about you uh, and everything that you've accomplished. So I'm going to put the spotlight on you today, which is fun for me. So I want to just hear, okay, what are some of the, the big steps that you have taken to really get Boomi to really enable uh, product-led growth? I think there's three main pieces to our transition. The first was as we were standing this up and understanding how we could get started, and getting our early wins in what we called a no regrets kind of format. The second was ramping and scaling to prove out that this would work beyond that small test case. And then where we are today, which is ultimately rolling it out across the entire organization to make Boomi have in the fabric of its culture, a true product-led motion. So starting with the first piece, we were really lucky when we first started talking with you that we had already engaged in a pricing exercise. We had brought in an external consultant who was taking a look at our licensing model, our subscription-based licensing model, and trying to understand how consumption of Boomi increases and the value of the platform to our customer increases over time and comparing that to the way that the actual dollars coming in changed. We looked at new model that was a consumption-based model. For folks who don't know Boomi, Boomi is the way to connect various endpoints in your digital ecosystem to create better business outcomes, to have the data, to have humans in the middle. And from a technical standpoint, people can think of this as integration platform as a service, connecting as a middleware platform. From a business user standpoint, it could be something like a new hire onboarding process where instead of going to 10 different places to get the badge and the laptop and what if I want an extra monitor and going through the background check and all of this stuff to a single unified workflow that allows people to come in, make decisions and keep those things moving forward. Boomi using Boomi actually brought our employee net promoter score up from the negative range to a very high positive range just by implementing Boomi flow and and integration solutions to create that business outcome. As we started in this space, we looked at how each one of those messages going across the platform can deliver value instead of just the number of endpoints that we connect to. So we created a second model that looked at not the connectors, but almost fractionalized those connectors into the individual components moving through. And this was a a metered edition. And originally, we were thinking about it in a very different way. But then we had our chief product officer, Steve Wood, know that the market was going towards product-led, know that Boomi needed to have a product-led motion, and asked me to lead a two-week sprint at that time to figure out what product-led might look like at Boomi. 
Thankfully, we had a lot of support from the leadership team, and that support has continued through this day. And the great opportunity, I know this really isn't about me, this is about the team and and whatever everyone has done to make this successful over the last two years. I was really humbled by the opportunity to continue to lead it and grew out of transformation manager or PMO lead into the product-led growth lead. One of the first big decisions we made was to incubate this team. The challenges around culture will eat strategy for breakfast. To continue to innovate quickly, to experiment, to fail and learn, we needed to incubate this team. And I started pulling in a few folks who were of what might look like atypical backgrounds, people who had kind of been all over the place in terms of their industry and the roles that they've been in. These, uh, If we were in a band, uh, multi-instrumentalists, those types of folks but who had an innate desire to solve problems, to take ownership, and to build awesome things. As we started, we realized that data was going to be our first big hurdle and spent a lot of time making sure that we understood even some very basic questions. What is a trial in our data? We knew at the time that there was a couple of different answers or we had questionable baseline data, and we needed to dig in not just to justify, because we already had support, but then to be able to measure what was actually happening. We knew in our gut that a product-led motion, giving a user the ability to not have to talk to a rep, to be able to explore the product themselves, to get a quick win, was going to inevitably lead to higher conversions. But we needed to prove it in data in a way that was reliable and recurring. So getting that baseline, understanding what exactly that looks like for us, and being able to track against ourselves and then look to the market to understand how we rank broadly. If I was to take a kind of a step back here and look at like this transition as a whole, because some people here are going to be thinking like, oh my goodness, like did that take like you a month? Did this take you a year? So back when your CPO, Steve, kind of gave you the like, okay, this is, we want to run a sprint on PLG and just check out what this looks like. When was that? Can you remember? I remember clearly it was May of 2020 All right. and our leadership team stopped going to see customers. I was more in a pull kind of relationship where I was looking for time, looking for initiatives to go after. And then it turned into a push. It was all of these ideas coming down all at the same time. That was the starting point where we had this inflection. We knew we needed to change. Steve saw the future of our iPads market and gave that guidance and and got that support. And the folks who were involved in that two-week sprint were very senior folks. And from organizations cross-functionally, that would be impacted by this. Some in a way that they could high-five, some in a way that they would feel at risk. Can you take us through who was in this sprint and then what you covered during the two-week sprints and what was kind of the core outcome? Right. So beginning with the end in mind, the outcome was a process by which we could nurture free trials in a way, hopefully, to increase conversions. We said, take what we have and figure out how to support them in a way that is geared towards what they're actually doing with the product. The prior cadences that our business development reps would use looked at the trial based on the starting date. 
And on day one, they would do this. And on day five, they did that. And on day 15, the big change that came from, from the sprint team was to say, let's instead use information that we can get from the platform about the behaviors that they're making. Combine that with the artifacts on the platform of the steps they've completed and give them the information they need to get to that next step. So we had to define what a step is. Like, what what are these steps? What do we want them to do? You get 10 people in a room, you get 11 different ideas of the order of operations and how to look at those things. So building... Uh, so one of the folks who was in there is, is the head of North America technical sales. And he was able to pull from his folks of highly technical, highly experienced, very knowledgeable, boomy professionals to get that alignment. This is our prescriptive path that we can't let people do whatever they want. I mean, they can, but what we want to walk them down, how we want them to interact with the platform in those steps. And then to go, we use Pendo to understand those behaviors. And and we have a reporting tool that allows us to see what's actually been completed and to build the SQL logic that pulls that together to translate it into a very easily consumable step one through five. And even though we were the ones who were most interested in that and using that, at that point, and at many points since then, we've always been giving back to the broader community. And we plumb those steps into Salesforce for every leap so that anyone who wants to look at that has that visibility. It's, it's always been part of the culture of the team to solve tough problems and give those answers back to everyone else. So you got the, the outcome, that's clear. Who else was on the sprint team? Like how big was it? How many people, what were like the roles? Right, so we had the head of success, the head of our customer support organization, the head of our inside sales team, corporate strategy was in there, our IT, the head of IT. The idea there being that the product lead at the time, who had actually tried a self-service path in the past, he'd always been the proponent of self-service and had come from an e-commerce background. So he was a strong voice in the room in terms of the customer journey and keeping us focused on what their journey through Boomi would look like and how to best maximize that based on industry standards. Okay. And how did you structure this? Because you mentioned it's two weeks, but what else was involved? Like, was this the only thing on everyone's plate? Was this just full day meetings? How do you kind of structure this and foster this intensity? Uh, Because it sounds like you did accomplish a lot in two weeks. We did. And it's hats off to the folks involved because of that commitment. It it was all day. We met all day. And in prior roles, I've been a Kaizen facilitator, which is a Six Sigma approach to, to rapid process improvement. This wasn't exactly that. And it wasn't exactly an agile sprint, but it was taking from both of those disciplines to be able to get started, get these thinking down, understand the as is. And we spent about two days, just what is the as it? And working through some of the improvements, brainstorming ideas, we had check-ins that were scheduled with the leadership team every other day. Sometimes we'd get rid of them. We didn't have questions, but often we, we would come up to a very difficult decision that was beyond us. Things like if we use this metered option or if we use a kind of a discounted standard licensing option, what should that price point look like? One is $50 a month. The other is $1,000 a month. And so some of these places where we got great answers, like it can't be $1,000 a month. It's got to be 50 bucks. Figure it out. And then we could go take those, the feedback, those answers and keep working it and keep going. The whole time, 
I've got a lot of PowerPoint key commands in my hand. So I was doing this documentation, working through, asking questions, acting as facilitator, while these folks with all of these years of experience were coming in with, what about this and what about that? And hey, how could we consider this other thing too? You've got that, got a great structure, intense for those two weeks. And then you got that clear outcome of like, okay, understanding uh, what is that process to get people from free to paid. Now, what was the next step? So you kind of mapped out that whole journey. And what was kind of the next action items on that and the outcome? Right. So we, we spent the first three quarters doing this trial success motion, where the idea was to get people moving data in the platform and then hand it back to sales. That was that first period. That was that no regrets concept. Of course, we want to make for a better trial experience. Of course, we should have some people who are giving them great resources to be able to be successful and then support them if they put their hand up and ask for it. So we did that first while the product team was working on the pay-as-you-go model to be able to go live with that. And that includes the credit card processing piece, a Stripe integration, uh, metering, surfacing that data through the month so people can see what they're using, the ability to shut off an account, the ability to set a threshold on spend and notifications. And they were doing all of that work in parallel. We went live in the beginning of Q2 2021 with the pay-as-you-go model. And at this point, the executive leadership team started getting in to push us towards target the number of net new logos that we would bring in, the number of net new signups. Some of this stuff was, I mean, totally transparently, some of this stuff was, you know, cocktail napkin in an airport kind of thinking at first. But as we learned more, we could refine that understanding and really make some meaningful goals that were relevant to our customers, our use cases in our market. So that happened over time. And the team, meanwhile, once we live with this new pricing model, the team now had this option of taking a free trial that would go back to the sales team because it was a large use case. They wanted to do end-to-end, high-velocity, multi-endpoint type transformation. Or they actually have a very small use case. This is something that's impacting one team. The persona themselves might be a technical person who could do it themselves and maintain it themselves and really just make for a better day at work for one person or one small team and capture that use case. Because we knew that people get hooked on Boomi. They start growing over time. We can get them into the next use case with license deal. We can transition them into a contract. They can have a dual environment where maybe their bi-weekly ADP upload is in a pay-as-you-go and their quote to cash is in a license model, an unlimited number of messages, but fixed based on endpoints. That was the next phase of this and building out the team with more thought towards the separation of roles and responsibilities. Whereas at first, everybody was kind of doing everything to try to figure it out. Business within a business, very entrepreneurial, going after it. And as we started to mature, we needed to bring in new skills that were more focused on the success motion and more focused on the operational improvements and how Boomi uses Boomi to innovate Boomi. We started building that piece out. So the types of hires that we were bringing in certainly changed over time as we matured the model through the next three quarters of being live with the pay-as-you-go. Okay. And so there was May 2020. That was like when you did the sprints. And then it was about May 2021 when it launched or was that April? Yes, April. It was the end of April. 
Okay. So about 11 months to, to launch that. Now you talked about the steps. I want to get back to that part. So when you were starting that sprint for product-led growth, um, was like the pricing iteration already in the works or how did that work? We had a, a lot of work already done in data to understand how to build a pay-as-you-go pricing model or a metered pricing model. Originally, it was just, can we meter the pricing based on the number of documents moving through the platform? So that was happening. And then when we got going in parallel, we were adapting that to a low-end use, these low-end use cases, these small use cases. A lot of the work was reused. We got lucky because the underlying data was the same. One of the challenges was the use cases we expected in a pay-as-you-go model were different from the use cases we had booked in the past. So there was a little bit of a concept that the data of the past was not representative data of the future. And there was a lot of trust to say, that is our starting point. That's the best we can know. But we expect a lot of differences here. We expect these customer profiles, these use cases to, to function and behave differently. And like, you know, going back to that data piece, we needed to be so on top of that to be able to communicate to leadership to continue to move forward. But the pricing model then was being tweaked up until GA. Okay. So you had that in the works. And then before I interrupted you about the uh, building up that incubating of the team, I want to bring us back to that part because it sounds like that was part of the next iteration of like, okay, you have the direction of the outcome of where you want to head. Um, now, like the boots need to meet the grounds and this has to actually get developed. So can you take us through like those 11 months from like, you have that outcome, uh, this is what you want to do. You got the executive buy-in um, and they got voluntold to do this <laughs> in the nicest way possible. <laughs> but then uh, whenever you kind of, went through that whole process. What did that look like as far as uh, building that team? From a team standpoint, certainly looking for folks who had that entrepreneurial bent, who had that drive to go beyond, to build something awesome, and who were looking for and hungry for something more. It really resonated with me because I've had roles in the past where you start and on day one, you're handed a binder and these are the reports, these are the dates, these are your stakeholders, this is how you do it, I'll get you access and have at it. And those types of roles were the least exciting for me. I always gravitated towards places where there was uncertainty, where there was high risk, high reward, and being able to do something new. So I was looking for that as well in the early days of this to make sure that people would be resilient, that they would be open for new ideas, and that they would feel confident in bringing their own ideas to be able to shape this as we went. Those folks are now the leaders of the folks that we've brought in behind them to start offboarding some of the processes that we figured out. For example, our sales operations, you know, the first time we had to book one of these deals, it took a PhD and Boomi to be able to figure out what exactly to do and, and how it works through Salesforce. And then that, you know, we find that that complexity is free. And what we worked towards was the simplification of that. And as that core team would find the, the next challenge, overcome it, make it straightforward, then we could bring somebody in to start doing that on a at scale at a more repeated basis. So you you mentioned at the beginning too, like these folks on this initial team were like super multidisciplinary as far as that goes. But like what were the actual roles that you kind of wanted to fill? 
business development rep who could talk to folks in the trial and support yeah. them to help them be successful moving data. So sales background, product-led growth companies, so people who have seen that before to bring that in. A success lead who had been a number of different roles at Boomi already, so had a fantastic domain knowledge. And she pulled in partnership understanding because we have very complex partner relationships, direct sales, and success into that second part of that journey after they swipe the card. How do we mm -hmm. keep nurturing them and moving them forward? Operational lead who would be at first developing some of these tools, but then ultimately he would have the experimentation person, our content person, our in-app guide person, like those types of things. So he started off just owning all of that. And then we started plugging it in as we went. And I had a, a person who was focused on the data who had come from the sales side, professional bass player for a while, you know, <laughs> kind of bringing in the creativity, bringing in that drive. And he was super essential to us through that data bit because the, gosh, the data is just, it was so important to know where we're winning, know where we need to improve and to report those findings back up as we got into this whole new territory. If I understand correctly, the initial squad you had was yourself, the BDR, success lead, operation lead, and then someone to be a data lead uh, at the beginning? That's right. And those were direct in the team, but we also had a, a named product lead. We had a named demand gen person who was uh, in demand gen. And we had a data scientist who was augmenting a bit mm -hmm. and had been helping us out. So for the product and demand gen lead, how did they work with your team? Were they like a part of that team or just like, okay, they, they have to work with you kind of thing? How did that work? So the product person was very passionate about self-service from the beginning. Yep. And I had worked with him on, on prior things and, and he was super excited just to get in here. And that was pretty straightforward. His boss, uh, the head of product had said, hey, look, let's focus on this. And they were conceiving of it a little bit more broadly they were conceiving of it as new user journey. And probably 95% of those folks are free trial folks. But there are a subset, there is a subset of new users at existing customers. And right. from the product perspective, they wanted to look at that broadly. So he was scoped slightly differently, but very, very much aligned there. And then the demand gen person is brought in specifically to support us. And from a meetings kind of a standpoint, they were part of the team. I mean, they, they were in our standups. We've also had a, a second product person who came in to think about our marketplace and how we can create integrations that people can install directly into their accounts to accelerate their time to value. And she had been essential to the access through the pricing piece and through the rest of that as well, both folks from product. And did you have like any engineering help or was that just like on an ad hoc basis? Like, hey, if we need to change this from the product engineering perspective, we'll get buy-in or how did that work? Yeah, there are two pieces. Uh, one is the platform itself. It's not a new product. It's the platform. It's a single instance. Yeah. And we built out, and this took a long time. It's functioning and humming now, but it, it took a long time to get to the point of we need new user and ease of use engineering team that goes across the entire platform because these folks are 
touching multiple services that Boomi offers and getting a lead, getting hires, uh, doing all of that stuff took time. So in the meantime, we were focusing on the things that we could control directly within my team, how we support them, but also from the product side, what the, those first couple of parts of the journey look like. Because we, we knew in data that the majority of folks in a free trial log in, something 68, 70% of the folks would log in once. And of them, 80% of them would spend 15 minutes or less in the platform. So we knew that that was our time. We got the first 15 minutes and we had to be hyper-focused on that piece. And that work was, we were able to do that uh, while this platform engineering team was being stood up. You found that amazing stats. 60% of people just don't come back after the first 15 minutes. What was the kind of next step? Like that's huge insight. And it's not just your company that's struggling with that stat either. <laughs> right. In the book, I was like, it's 40 to 60%. And it's, it's always within that range for a lot of companies. So curious, what was kind of the next step? I set a vision. Uh, everything else we've talked about so far, I take no credit for because the team is amazing and they were brave enough to come along on this journey. But I said, everybody moves data in 15 minutes. That's the outcome. That's why they're here. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know what that looks like, but that's what we have to achieve. So we went down the path of what keeps people from being able to move data within 15 minutes. And that involved interviews with end users and new users. We were able to gather information from the folks who we had in our trials and the common challenges that they faced. And then being able to go to, to root cause on that and put improvements on top. Specifically, what we discovered is that connecting to endpoints is difficult. And it's not a boomy challenge. It's an environment challenge. We found people who were in companies that had a couple of IT folks but not so many that there's a lot of red tape and approvals, but not so few that they maybe don't even have an IT person at all. This is somebody's nights and weekends. Was a sweet spot because they had the ability to get into those endpoints and be able to set up the profiles and the permissions to be able to access it. We knew what good looked like, but we knew that that was only a subset of a subset. Everybody moves data in 15 minutes, not just the people who are predestined to being able to be successful. So we got to the point of the endpoint needs to be controlled by Boomi. And the user, even a non-technical user, can connect to these endpoints that we've configured using a Pendo guide, bringing them through step-by-step, step, and they can move data their own finger on keyboard. Not a book or ebook or paper, not a demo where they're watching not a proof of concept that might may have your endpoints, it might not. You clicking in the product to get to that aha moment, I understand how Boomi works. And just to add some flavor to the spice here, why not just give them, you know, one of those demos which kind of walks them through, they can click through a sandbox and they can see what all those endpoints might look like. Why not? The branded endpoint that you don't have in your environment, we found to be a major distraction to those demos. If it's Salesforce and NetSuite, and we see a lot of that type of integration, but I actually am interested in Shopify, it puts this bug in their ear the whole time of, yeah, but what about me? 
And the personal interaction with the platform doesn't happen with the demo. And we wanted them to... One of the other catchphrases here is, if you bother to sign up for a trial, you should have a good trial experience. And for the people who weren't going to be able to connect to this stuff, don't have you know any background in integration or, or any technical background, we want them to have that great trial experience, have that aha moment, and do it as quickly as possible. And to do that, we removed those barriers. We gave them the experience of doing it themselves and seeing what it is, mapping the data. And we have this intelligent... AIML solution that suggests the way to map based on use cases that are in production today. And we know that over 90% of the Boomi Suggest gets consumed in the integration. We knew there were just these fantastic things that you could read that and it's like, okay, that's interesting. But when you see it, it becomes real. And Mm -hmm. to be the one to click that button, to watch that mapping happen, to accept it and keep going forward, that was the experience we were creating. And I can already tell in the difference of your energy of like, oh, it's exciting. I think that answers it all too. It's like, yeah, whenever you get to see it, you believe it. And I think when it comes to building a product that can sell itself, that is it. It's like, okay, I I believe it. Boomi can deliver on its promise because totally, I just saw it. (laughs) It wasn't a sandbox kind of deal too. (laughs) That's right. So that that became a big win, getting the data and sharing the data and being able to see what's working and what's not working. And then we needed to start working across the business to be able to consume more of these leads, to have the demand gen bringing in folks who just came in and the first thing they did was swipe their card and to get folks from the the marketplace installing those pre-built processes and using those as well. So there's multiple channels. Uh, In addition to our partners, we had a few partners who had an aha moment with the pricing model that they can now use Boomi for all use cases, not just large use cases. And that allowed them to win more deals to reduce the operational debt of having multiple integration platforms and to sell more services. That just became such a high value proposition for the ones, the partners who got it, that we have a few partners who give us almost everything that comes from partners. Building those partnership relationships, that was part of what my job was to, to get those resources to them to have those meetings to get them understanding and to work with the teams to get them to adopt. Okay. So you set the vision, you got everyone bought into what this would look like. What were some of the next steps as far as the product-led growth rollout? So as we were hiring, the first thing that we did was send them through your training. We wanted to create that knowledge for <clears throat> people who hadn't seen it before, which is a lot of people. And then We also wanted to create a shared language as we talked through these ideas. We wanted everybody to know that we're in an opt-out model and what that is relative to other places. And we wanted the whole team to be thinking of maybe opt-out's not right and to be able to question it at that level of understanding. So everyone has and continues to go through that training to be able to have that language to, to have those skills. We had the product team ramping up on the new user journey, the engineering team being built out to make the product easier to use. And then we needed to align the objectives of the team. Folks who are on variable compensation needed to have targets. And if we set everything to credit card swipes, we'd be doing a disservice to our prospects. We would inherently square peg round hole people 
into a pay-as-you-go model, regardless of their use case, if that was the only way we were being measured. From a leadership team perspective, that was what they were looking at. But from the team, I included four different metrics of success on how they get paid. The first is getting those folks in and swiping the card. Obviously, that's what the leadership team wants. The second are the opportunities that we give back to the direct sales motion. Because if that's what's right for the prospect, we should do that. And we should be rewarded for doing that. Mm -hmm. So that split of, okay, you've now moved data in the trial. Where do you go next? We're equally supported based on those metrics. The third piece was in the community. We wanted to take the knowledge and the learning that we had, the common problems that we saw, and put them into our community, into the forums, to be answering questions, to make it truly self-service and repeatable in the future instead of having all of this wonderful knowledge just being stuck in individuals' heads. And the last piece was the folks who we got out of the pay-as-you-go model. We know that Boomi's $4 billion valuation is based on annual recurring revenue. That's like any SaaS business. That's where our value, our enterprise value is. So we want folks out of to get them out of and graduate them out of pay-as-you-go. So the team was goal on that as well. Okay. And when you say like add to the community, is this more like a knowledge base or something like that that people would use to like interact with? Oh, I have a question about this. Let me type it kind of thing. Yes, it's that. It's a knowledge base with articles. It's an interaction community with questions and forums. It's all of those things. We found that we also needed to fold those learnings into a couple of other places throughout Boomi as well. So bring that not just to the community, but to the support organization. We could bring that also to the learning team, to the education team at services and bring this stuff up so that, again, this is another evidence of the fact we're not focused on just this incubated team. We ultimately want it to be shared and we want it to be cross-booming. And with that idea in mind, you know, another example of us trying to share that knowledge, trying to help all of Boomi do better because ultimately it needs to be Boomi wide. Now, looking back at this, this two-year journey now, what are some of the, the big things you feel like, you know what, knowing what I know now, this is what I would have done differently? Well, what I would have done differently. I'll, I'll start by saying something that did work. The folks who were in that sprint were the core constituents of a steering committee that meets monthly. This is people who are very well steeped in it, in the idea and the concept, keeping them engaged. And because it was a cross-functional team, that then we were creating some advocates across the business for what we were doing. Uh, it also created a forum for the, the really tricky questions. Things like, are we going into the AWS marketplace with this pay-as-you-go model? Should we have 100% of the North America trials coming to the team? Those are some of the big ones. And to be able to have a forum to keep people engaged, to keep them up to speed with what's going on, of course, report numbers as well, but to create a discussion around these big topics has been very, very useful. Additionally, we had a leadership development program and we asked them to make recommendations. And now we've got 30 senior leaders across the organization who are thinking not about how it's going to affect them so much as fighting to make it successful. And that transition was also very, very important for us. 
you can never underestimate on the lessons learned side, you can never underestimate how hard change is. I could argue that I've made a career out of change. So that's kind of been where I've always been focused. And some of this stuff is hard. You're talking about how people get paid. This is not easy peasy. Sure, let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm missing my numbers or something else is going on or you're taking resources from my team. I mean, these are very real challenges that are common with transformation and we're particularly sharp here. So staying closely connected with the folks who could be the biggest attractors has always been important. Uh, And there's always more to do. There's always more communication. And as a project manager, I always focused on communication planning and stakeholder analysis. Who can affect or be affected by the change? How are you going to enable and educate? And just constantly going back to that. And I'd wish I'd done five times as much. And I already did a lot, but there's always more there that you can do to help people understand why, how this ties into Boomi's success and support them through transition because change is hard. Do you share, if you're willing to, like how you structured and kind of changed up compensation? Because not a lot of people talk about that, but it is really important as far as being one of those touchy-feely things where it's like, you know what? How do you really align people there is setting, you know, metrics and stuff like that. But then there's like, yeah, how do you really get alignment too? That a conversation is one of the most important things you could use as a lever of change. I mentioned those four KPI. Those were how compensation is structured today with the folks on variable comp plans, which is two of the the three pillars in their acquisition and the expansion teams. But we also needed to make sure that the folks who gave us those leads were made whole. Business development rep who saw a lead come in. And you know, early on here, we were just starting with, is it a technical job title? Is this a net new lead? They needed to keep the things they were outbounding. They needed to keep the target accounts that the AEs were working on. They needed to keep a, a piece of this. There's sometimes people sign up for trials, and they put a bunch of gobbledygook in there and the you know, email address doesn't work and the phone number's broken and whatever. So those get disqualified. But of the things that are left, there was a piece about 20% of the leads coming in that looked like that. And then these people would click the checkbox and then cross their fingers. (laughs) So getting people to check that checkbox, there's a carrot and a stick. From the carrot side, we said, hey, listen, when this converts, you get a conversion and it counts towards your quota. And from the stick side was the ELT conversation of, hey, look, it really needs to be 20%. Like it can't be 2%. We do have these other goals. So we worked that from both sides. The team was tracking to the four KPI I mentioned, but we still continue to compensate the folks for the right behavior. Right. Okay. And any other like last tips you'd recommend people to consider as far as driving this organization-wide change? So for us, we're in this phase now, we're focused on scale and building this pod and now getting it to the point where, you know, we've got about 35 people who are really just focused on this motion the real success is ramping it up globally. Again, this in the lessons learned, being clear about that intention and being clear about the expectations of timelines of that is always better. So the three areas that we got, one is, is in the technical pre-sale space, uh, one is in the success space, and the third is in that business development rep acquisition space. I put them in that order because the technical sales piece has to take one big step from what they're doing today to also support these folks. Not 10. It's not a small step either. 
it's right. It's that next step. And so we're right now utilizing their technology, their technical skills as a service to us. So we don't have to build out a parallel organization there. The next piece of this is the success motion. And we've got our customer tiers that exist. And now we're talking about two or three steps away from what we're doing, but same tools, similar idea. We need to understand this possibly as a fourth segment and be able to scale it out with the success organization globally. And then lastly, the acquisition piece, the business development reps. There's more than three or four steps to get there. There's a a lot more cultural change and some thinking that would need to be done as to how to best do this because the metrics for success in ebook download or a contact me is really focused on getting that first meeting with the account team. It's not focused on, hey, let me take some time with you, nurture you through the trial, help you move data, and not ask you about you know, budget, need, authority, and timeline. And that'll take some more time, but we have to do that. And we have to partner there to be able to make this truly work at Boomi. Awesome. Well, I think one of the uh, recurring trends I always hear whenever I'm talking to companies that are making this shift from sales led to product led is when it comes to getting buy-in, there is nothing, nothing that gets people more bought into something when it's like, hey, I want to be on that winning team. I want to be on part of that results. And I want to go there where the future is and have that clear, compelling vision of where to go. So definitely sounds like in due time that will happen. But Ian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is there any for people who want to learn more about you and what you're up to at Boomi? Where can they find out more? I'm on LinkedIn. Boomi is boomi.com, B O O M I. We are on a fantastic growth trajectory and an amazing leadership team who is solely focused on us being one of the top software companies in the world. And I've never been lucky enough to be a part of a company in this part of the trajectory where it's not just lip service. This is, we're making hires, we're making changes, we're going down this path in such a committed way that it'll only help us better support our team members and our customers. I'm really excited there. If anyone wants to reach out through LinkedIn, I'm certainly there too. I don't think anyone can tell the level of excitement there. (laughs) kidding. (laughs) No, that was awesome. Everyone feel free to check out what Ian's up to at Boomi. And thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Wes, thank you. Appreciate it.